0: This past April 21st, Teresa and I did celebrate our 42nd wedding anniversary. We were married in Orlando in 1979 on April 21st. And on that occasion, Teresa's father, Charles Wright, performed the ceremony. He walked her down the aisle. My father stood there and said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? He says, her mother and I. My father then went and sat down. He turned and then kissed her and then turned right around and stood there and then performed the wedding. How wonderful that is. How wonderful. It was a wonderful occasion, but this coming June will be 13 years of Chad and Tiffany's wedding on June 28th. That happened in 2008 in Bryant, Alabama, and of course I had that wonderful occasion to be able to assist and put those two together in matrimony. This coming Saturday, May 29th, 2021, I'll be officiating the wedding ceremony for my second son and his bride, Isabel. So that's Caleb and Isabel. And we hope and pray that it too will be a joyous occasion as well for the family and that many years of example for us, will rub off on them as they truly understand and know that marriage is for life. And I hope that I got that message across to you as well. I believe very, very much in the vows that are made at a wedding ceremony, as they come from God in marriage. We need to be mindful that the vows that are made to one another that are going up before His throne. You're making a promise. You're not making a promise only to that person, but you're making a promise to God Himself as well that you will do all that you can to make sure this marriage will go for a lifetime. They will hear the vows that are made, but ultimately God is the one who hears those vows and expects us to honor them. Lord... We come before Thee now. There are many times that we will come before the Lord, and surely on that occasion, we all need to recognize the need to bow before the Lord in humble submission. And so today I want us to speak on the marriage relationship, as I have done many times in the past, but I do so because it helps me to remember the vows that I made to the woman that I loved 42 years ago. And the precious memories as well. But likewise, I pray and trust that any sermon on marriage will help those who are married, those who are about to get married, or those who might be contemplating marriage come what may. And then sometimes for those who are widowed, I will hear these thoughts. You brought back a lot of memories to me today. Precious memories of a time when I was married to my loved one, that one that I anxiously awaited to see again, and will to see again in the little while. Well, today I want us to remember this passage that we just read a moment ago, found in Hebrews 13 and verse 4, that marriage is honorable in all. Marriage is a gift. It's a gift that came to us from God. We do not deny That and therefore it ought to take a high priority in our lives. We need to always respect what God says concerning the marriage relationship. And he says it is an honorable relationship. Right? And every person who enters into the marriage relationship should do so with the approval of God. And by dictating himself or herself to the principles that that really make marriage so great. There are a lot of people today that are in miserable marriages. Some are satisfied just to maintain a mediocre marriage. I want a magnificent marriage, don't you? That's right. I am married to a magnificent lady and therefore I need to do my best to be a husband that not only she approves... But more importantly, one that God approves. It was on July 26, 2020 in Paris, France, that one of our favorite actresses had died at the age of 104. Her name was Olivia de Havilland. Now, Olivia de Havilland, unlike many who came out of the entertainment industry, has always appeared to be a very gracious, gentle, and beautiful lady. Very few people ever make it to 100, but to make it to 104, that that is unlike any other, right? Her greatest role, perhaps the most recognized role for Olivia de Havilland, was her secondary role in that 1939 classic of Gone with the Wind. She played a very lovely person in that movie, very much a contrast to the primary actress, the one in the leading role, Vivian Lay, Lee, who played Scarlett O'Hara. But as Olivia de Havilland, in her role as Melanie was her was on her deathbed, and she was about to draw her last breath, and she said to Scarlett O'Hara these words, Be kind to Captain Butler. He loves you so. And if you have watched that movie, you know that there were times when Scarlett O'Hara, along with Captain Butler, were not very kind to each other in their marriage relationship. In fact, the way that the movie ended, it was too late to repair. That was already broken. And the movie ends with Captain Captain Butler leaving Scarlett and going back to his home in Charleston, leaving her there in Atlanta. I want you to think about those words. Be ye kind. Be ye kind. And I think that you would agree with me that in our world today, that we need a whole lot more kindness. And we certainly need to be, have that in our marriages as well. I realize that not everything about love is sugary and sappy. But some of it is. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, the Apostle Paul said that love is kind. Love is kind. And you know what kindness is? It's loving the little things. The little things. My wife has always said, little things mean a lot. And they do. It's the little things that she remembers the most than it is some of the big things. And so... If we're going to take our marriages seriously, in which we should, we're going to have to learn some lessons in kindness, aren't we? Because I know kindness would help us get along better even in the church. If we exercise kindness to all of our brethren, just think how wonderful it would be out in the business world, in our schools. Just think about a little bit of kindness, how far that would take us in our businesses or I mean, what if everybody treated each other with kindness along with respect? Would it not go a long way? It would. How much more so do we need kindness in our homes? Not just between parents and children, but between husbands and wives. Be kind to one another. I think I've told you about the little prayer that was prayed by the little girl. Where she said that God make all the bad people good. And then make all the good people Kind. Now, someone might say, Well, aren't all good people kind? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. What I mean by that is that there may be someone who might be upstanding, who engages in a lot of good deeds, but is not always kind about it. And kindness comes from deep within. It really is a matter of the heart. And I, as the husband, better be very concerned about how I treat my wife, or else I learn my prayers may be hindered. First Peter 3, 7. If I'm not paying close attention to the relationship that I have with my wife, I better be careful about my prayers. I better understand that God may not recognize them at all when I'm not treating my wife kindly in a loving way. Appreciating her, respecting her, listening to her, and treating her as my own. Because after all, Paul talks about that relationship between Christ and the church. And he says, I want you to learn from that because that's what needs to be found in our homes. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, if you love your wives, make sure you understand that you love her as your own body. Verse twenty eight of that text. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And in verse twenty nine it says, For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. You better treat your wife the same way, because she's part of you now. I want you I want people to treat me kindly. And therefore, I need to be interested in my wife, who I want to be, who I want to treat me kindly. And so I need to ask the question, do I treat her kindly? I have to ask that question to myself. Have I treated her kindly today? To always keep myself in check. To make sure that I'm doing all that I can to show her my love, even even after I had said it. When... We think about love and how it's associated with kindness, right? I'm reminded that in married love, there is a romantic aspect to it. If you lost that in your relationship, then you need to do something about it. And it's going to take two people. It cannot be accomplished just by a husband or by a wife, but it takes both of them, both of them, with a dedication first and foremost to the God of heaven who teaches husbands and wives how to love and respect each other. Well, this morning, let's think about, first of all, about the one who presents to us the perfect attitude when it comes to kindness. I mean, he personified it, and that's Jesus. Jesus, on one occasion, was invited to a wedding, as recorded in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when Jesus went to that wedding, he was obviously a welcome guest. And there in Cana of Galilee, he performed his first miracle of changing the water into wine, the fruit of the vine. And so our Lord Jesus Christ celebrated in this wedding. Now, if the Lord Jesus Christ was invited to a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee, should he not also be invited To our wedding? To their wedding? Yes. And allow him to change us from the inside out. We need to invite him into our homes and let him change us from the inside out. Was Jesus invited to your wedding? It might be the question. And if you're going to get married, is Jesus invited to your wedding? And more importantly, will he be invited into your home to live? To be a welcome guest because perhaps marriage takes three. Yes, it's not just the preacher and the two, the man and the woman. But there's three, the man and the woman and God. It takes the Lord with the husband and wife to make it a godly home, a happy and harmonious home. Now, when I think about the kindness of Jesus, I'm reminded that he was kind to the innocent, that he was kind of those, he was kind to those who were innocent. He was kind to the children and, and children are innocent. They would find themselves very, very comfortable in the very arms of Jesus. There are times when I see a a sweet little child and I just want to hug that little fella, that sweet little girl. All of us enjoy that. But you know, sometimes a little baby, for example, will not leave his mother or his daddy for somebody else to hold him or her. Oh no, they want to stay close by. We understand that. I picked up a child before they started crying. I said, oh, okay, here mom. You know, they don't want me. But uh, that's okay. I find it hard to believe that if you would ever that that would have ever happened to our Lord Jesus, that 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 baby or that child would start crying. Because I don't think that they would. I just think that instinctively that a child will feel so comfortable with Him. And so we have a picture of Jesus set forth in the Scriptures where children would come to Him and love Him and, and he loved them in return. Jesus, who not only loved the innocent and loved the little children... But he loved those who were not so innocent, right? Those who were not so innocent. Would the adulterous woman of John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, have something to say if someone spoke up and said that Jesus Christ is the most unkind man who has ever lived? I'm sure she would have something to say against that. Very much so. No one ever walked upon the face of this earth with more kindness. Who demonstrated such like Jesus? I've heard it said before, one may have all the kindness in the heart that is not always seen, but kindness can be seen. The godly woman of Proverbs 31, it says that her in her tongue is the law of kindness. Proverbs 31, 26. And then someone says, well... I try to be kind, but people won't let me. Oh, really? Well, we need to allow our tongues to speak words of kindness, and not only that, to let our deeds speak volumes about us, so that people know that we are kind-hearted. Here's something else that was interesting about Jesus. He allowed others to be kind toward Him. When He went to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus is recorded in Luke 10 38 through 42 it's interesting to me that Jesus let them do nice things for him you know there are some people who become appalled if somebody else tries to do something nice for them and I believe that the reason for that is because we don't want to have to owe anybody anything and we feel like well if somebody treats me kindly then I'm going to have to owe them something in return. All you're going to owe them in return is really your kindness. They're not asking for anything, but your kindness. Let people be kind to you. And in the marriage relationship, let's be kind to one another. There was a story of a woman who tried her best to be kind to her husband. She would prepare good meals for him. She would did all that she could to take care of him. and Not only that, she worked outside the home and she tries to help make ends meet, but he didn't seem to appreciate that. Every day he would come home and he would eat her food and he would fill his stomach with that fine meal and he would not say anything. No words of gratitude. He would sit down. He would watch television until he went off to sleep. He followed that same routine for many days until finally the old boy woke up and said, "You know, this isn't right." And so he said, "When I get home, I want to do something different. I, I want to come across as different." And so on this day, he, he first went to exercise, and, and instead of coming home sweaty, he decided that he would shower, he put on some fine cologne. He didn't stop at that. He decided to go to a flower shop, and he, he bought the best roses. He purchased some candy. And so when he finally got home, he said, I'm not going to pull into the garage. I'm going I'm to park out into the driveway. I'm going to walk up to the front door. And I'm going I'm to knock on that door. And when I ring that bell- doorbell, I'm going to surprise my wife right there. And when she sees me standing there smiling, looking good with flowers and candy, oh, she's going to be so pleased and he goes to the door. He rings the doorbell with the flowers and the candy. And she sees him almost with a look of disgust. He's like, what's wrong? She said, the washer went out this morning. And then I got a call from the school. And Johnny had fell and sprained his ankle. And now you come home drunk. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But you know that if he would continue to do that, I'm sure that she would get used to it very quickly. Kindness. Really thinking about how I myself would want to be treated. That's practicing the golden rule of Matthew seven twelve. Surely if I wanted to be treated kindly, then I will treat the one that I love the most here on this earth with all kindness there's a wonderful passage that speaks to brethren in ephesians 4 and verse 32 where it says and be ye kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake forgave you is it not the place for us to demonstrate that verse first and foremost to be in our homes yes I would challenge you as you read these various passages that relate to how we treat one another as brethren that you first use those passages and apply them in your home. Yes, be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another in the church. Let others out in the world see that demonstrated in your heart, in your life. But first of all, allow that to be seen at home. That can make a difference. And that can make a difference in the lives of your children because they're watching every moment. Even if they're not looking, they're listening. I think many of us as parents know that as we have learned through the ages. Oh, I understand that if you want to lose your children to the devil, just live any way you want in the home and then different in front of others. They will see that right off. They'll notice that you might be a counterfeit, that you're not real, and that you don't really practice your Christianity at home, that you don't show any loving kindness. But then when you're in front of people, you got all the kindness in the world. I I understand that these are the closest people to us on earth, the children. I understand that there are disagreements that take place in the home. I understand there are times when you get frustrated with each other. But I have found that when Teresa and I have disagreed that we may have argued a little bit. But when we apologize and, and seek the forgiveness of one another, things were better than ever because we were allowing ourselves to look deep inside and see who we really are and it made the relationship stronger listen those things are going to happen there will be disappointments there will be disagreements and such as that I've had young people come to me and say brother Boyles we're ready to get married I say you are here's what I will do for you I'm going to try to talk you out of it In fact, I will try to talk you out of it all the way up to the, what people call the altar, the marriage altar. And I have many times done many weddings and I have said to that groom before we walked out to see his bride coming down that aisle. I said, you know, now's the time to get out if you're not dedicated to this marriage that's about to happen Now's the time. You might make the family so mad, but you better not go into this relationship and then decide later on you want to get out because you're unhappy or whatever because marriage is for life. I haven't had anybody to take my advice and leave yet, but I always try to talk them out of it because marriage is for life. Come Saturday... I'm going to be talking to Caleb and say, Caleb, here's one last opportunity to get out before you get in to something that you would rather you had not gotten into. I'm not saying anything bad about Isabel. Marriage is for life. We need to understand that. That time will come. Oh, no, we don't, we don't argue. I've heard that. We see everything eye to eye. Well, I guess What? this marriage ain't going to work. If you say that you don't argue, then guess what? You're not, gonna, you're not ready to get married. You see, young, every young person, every young couple before ever getting married need to have a few of those disagreements before. Maybe at times explosions will occur, but how do you work through that? That's the importance how do you work? There will be times that you will not see eye to eye, but if you can work through that and say, I still love this person, I still want to be with this person, then maybe you are ready to get married. Because you see, in the marriage relationship, you're going to have to see things from another's perspective for sure, or your marriage indeed will be hindered. And most likely, it will not last long, and for sure, you will not have a magnificent marriage. But the kindness is reflected in our speech, isn't it? We just sang a song, as Brother Jim, that talked about angry words. Oh, let them never. Oh, let them never. Angry words. The kindness is reflected in our speech and how we speak to one another in the home. And if I don't show a lot of respect to my wife, then how do I expect my children to show respect to her as well? They're going to follow my cue. And that might be the wrong thing that I'm teaching them. Back in the day, whenever I would hear my children talk back to their mama, I would bring it to their attention right away. And said that you don't talk to my wife that way, much less to your mama. As the old saying goes, she brought you into this world, she'll take you out, right? No one is going to treat my wife. No, you will treat her with kindness. As she treats you with kindness, she will treat her with respect or else you will be accountable to me. You will have to answer to me. It will not be just brushed over to the side. And so when we talk about kindness, that means we're going to have to think about the things we say and how we say them. You know, tone is very, very important as well. We need to watch our sarcasm, don't we? We don't need to be so sensitive that I can't handle some, some fun jokes that are made uh, with a little bit of sarcasm. But it, it has to be done in the spirit of fun. But you know that we can take it too far. I, I know when I can pick at Teresa and at other times that I need to just leave her alone. Right? I can tell. The, I just better lay off. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. That's the wise man in Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. That is a righteous man. A Christian will think about what he's going to say. He doesn't automatically just react. He doesn't just shoot off the hip, if you will, and say the first thing that comes to his or her mind. That's what people do, don't they? Somebody says well, I just speak my mind, and if the people don't like it, well, that's just too bad. I'm a realist, and I, I understand that they need to understand. You see, that's what really the foolish people do, according to Solomon, and you have heard a lot of people in that process. There was this fellow who went into the McDonald's restaurant one time and he shot and killed about 30 people, and then he was arrested. He was sitting out in front of the store with the handcuffs, and he said, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. Perhaps not, but there are 30 people still dead inside that didn't know that you didn't mean to do that. Words mean things, and we can hurt the dearest to us without even thinking. Here's why you better study the answer. There was a young woman who was in the kitchen one day and she had prepared some breakfast for her husband and they had only been married just a few weeks and she really wanted to do something nice for him since the honeymoon was over. Before he went to work, she wanted to provide a good breakfast and, and so it is that she prepared some eggs and she prepared some bacon and, but she also tried her mother's recipe for biscuits and they turned out fine. But here's what happened while he was getting dressed. The dog jumped up on the table and ate all of those biscuits. <laughs> and so he comes to the table and he sits down. And she's crying. She's crying her, her eyes out. Honey, what's wrong? She said, I wanted to be a good wife. I wanted to make you a good breakfast. She said, I prepared you some eggs and some bacon. I even tried my mother's recipe for biscuits. And I made some biscuits and they were good because I tried one but the dog jumped up on the table and he ate the biscuits. He said, honey, don't cry. We will get another dog. That's not the right answer, right? But the intent was good, but that's not what to say. And so words mean things. Be very sensitive to that as to what you say. Study to answer, particularly in this marriage relationship. It will not hurt us in our homes to start speaking in a new kind of language if you cuss, say bad words or say off-color words or something, I don't know what you want to call those vulgar language words, then you ought to change that. You're not teaching your children anything that's right. A new kind of language, one without vulgar language. And that is when other members of the home can do well, whether it's our mates or our children, Don't be afraid to say, good job, thank you, I'm proud of you, we love you, we will always love you. Let's do this together, and when we speak toward one another like this, we build each other up. We create a healthy environment. We're building great memories for a lifetime, because you see, what we have created is a family. And you're part of one, and it's important to do what you can to build those great memories, they enhance those relationships. And you can do that when you remember to be kind because kindness will control your speech. Oh, how different our world would be today and especially in our homes if we would just learn some kindness to one another. It will not hurt us, particularly those of us who are men, since we are the ones usually called upon to do this. Go and get those flowers. Present them to the wife. I like to surprise Teresa with a candy bar on, a, on occasions, one that I know that is her favorite, but then there might be a new one that came out, and I would get two so that we can both enjoy them together. We men are so grateful for Hallmark because that's something Sometimes we just don't know exactly how to say it, but they always seem to do, don't they? Don't be afraid to embrace her more often. Embrace one another, praise each other, and when the other has done something well, let them know it. Comfort. Comfort when one is grieving or hurting, or remember that because the woman not only thinks with her head, but with her heart. Us men don't understand that because we only think with our heads, right? Right? But there will be the moment particularly with her that she does not need that she does need that she does need your embrace i 'm going to be out of pocket for seven to ten days it's going to be a countdown we'll be marking the days off on the calendar until I can embrace her again on occasions even right now i 'll just look at her and, and i 'll go, "You look like you need a hug and i 'll hug her. I do that to the grandchildren too I do, They're they're coming along, and I just go like that, and they'll come right over to me and hug me, and I said, you just needed a hug. I needed a hug. Then I said, now go hug your nana, right? Because it's important. It's important. Just give him or her a hug. Do that with the grandchildren. Perhaps it might be just what she needed to solve her problem, whatever that was, for that day you can solve a lot of problems with a little bit of kindness and maybe a hug here and there. There are some times when we don't need to say anything. It's just that embrace that makes it all great. It makes it all better. Dear friends, we have a counselor unlike any other in Jesus, and he's the epitome of kindness Let us help guide you in what the scriptures say to help your marriage. Instead of trying to change the other, why don't we just change ourselves? Friends, in marriage, we need to ask the question, what can I do to make this relationship even better? Be kind. Jesus was the kindest of all because we know what he did on our behalf. And he didn't have to be so kind, but that's just who he is. And so it is you need to ask Jesus to come into your home. But you know, you can't ask him to come into your home if you do not let him into your heart. And you can't ask him to come into your heart if you will not submit to his will. If you're here and not a Christian, you need to understand what you need to do to become one. You need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, John 8, 24. You need to repent of those sins, that is, to turn away from them, a 180 degree, no longer doing those things and starting anew called repentance, Luke 13, 3, Acts 17, 30, to then make that good confession of the sweet name of Jesus, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he died for me. And then go down into the waters of baptism to, to culminate all of that all till you can have those sins washed away. Acts twenty two sixteen, so that you can become a child of God, a Christian. Acts two thirty eight, and then be added to the Lord's church. Acts two forty seven, and then to live faithfully to the will of God by submitting to His will. You want to have a marriage home? That's what you need to do to become good in your marriage and that is to obey the gospel